So let's get started. Today's call is all about hacking money. So everyone here, I'm sure, wouldn't hate having a little bit more money in their pocket. First, I'm going to talk about some ways to keep the money you have, and then I'm going to talk about getting more money. So a very wise person once wrote somewhere, somehow, I'm not sure where I saw it, but they wrote, if you want to find more business or more clients, spend more time with the business or the clients you already have. And uh, that was kind of a profound lesson for me. This was probably back in like, I don't know, 2009 or so. I had been doing, you know, I have been running Interconfidence for about a year, and I was so focused on finding new guys that I wasn't delivering as great of a service as I could have to the guys I already had. Um, so I tweaked that, and guess what? I drummed up a lot more business from my current clients. And that, that just doesn't relate to me. That relates to anything. So what a lot of people will do, let's take uh, a guy like Justin, for, for example. Justin has a business where he helps people market themselves online. Anyone who's really good at this will make crazy money every year because if you can teach someone to turn a dollar into five or help someone turn a dollar into five, you know, you've got an unlimited ceiling. But Justin never really makes the clients he has happy, and in result, he's always searching for new clients instead of getting referrals and instead of drumming up business he already has. So first step is... Don't look to jump out of something. See how you can kind of improve whatever it is you're doing and focus on delivering more value to whoever you're delivering value to. So if you hate your job, rather than say that your boss is an asshole, think, how can I give my boss more value? How can I make myself irreplaceable? And if you can make yourself irreplaceable and generate a ton of value for whatever it is your clients or your boss or whatever it is you do, you get to write your own ticket. A uh, quick example, when I was working in a private equity firm, I raised a ton of money for that company. I was right out of college, and 50% of the investors were my guys. So I got to write my own ticket. I didn't have to show up to work when I when the boss wanted to. I could, you know, play golf in the morning and look for clients that way. I got a country club membership paid for by the company to go out and find more clients. And I got to make the rules because I was the guy bringing in the money. So that's the first thing. Second thing is a post I talked about earlier, uh, maybe like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, about living the minimalist lifestyle. You guys don't realize, and I know most of you guys in this call um, have read that post. I'm not going to go into that too much, but I'm curious if, uh, is anyone on the call who took that advice, made some major changes, got rid of some extra shit. I'm curious to know, you know, how you feel after that, what the financial consequences have been, et cetera. Because for me, before I was a minimalist, I was paying money for a storage unit to keep all my shit, which I didn't need. Uh, I was constantly worried about losing things, or I was losing things. I was misplacing things. Um, I was always buying more stuff because I couldn't find the stuff I had. So, has anyone on this call, has, has anyone really embraced that minimalist lifestyle and given any thoughts? 
Robbie, this is Patrick. Yeah. Yeah, I'm working on it. I've uh, spent the last few months trying to get rid of shit, and then I asked you last week about Airbnb my place. So that was kind of whole. I've been trying to work up to that. So I still got a few more things to get rid of, but um, getting close. Yeah, it, it's it's a process. Um, yeah, it doesn't happen overnight. I'll tell you that. Right. It's a process. It takes a little bit of time to essentially clean your shit up. Um, I read a, an interesting book called, uh, what's it called? Got it right here in my backpack. Called Insanely Simple, The Obsession That Drives Apple's Success. And the whole book is on the premise that Apple started crushing, you know, the phone industry, the music industry, the computer industry, by, by offering the most simple products out there, like the iPhone, it's got one button on the front of it and a couple on the side. It's insanely simple. All of Apple's products are insanely simple. They're insanely easy to use, which makes them insanely valuable. So becoming a minimalist is basically about, you know, turning, making your life more simple, getting rid of extra stuff that complicates your life. And it is it's kind of a, the opposite of what you would think, whatever word that is. <laughs> ironic, I guess, that it's harder to be simple, it's harder to become a minimalist than it is to do the opposite, which is amass a bunch of shit. Most people who are broke and losers have a bunch of fucking shit, and their lives are very complicated. A lot of the tips I'm going to give you guys later on this call will only work if you live a minimalist-type lifestyle. So if you have a bunch of crap sitting around that you don't need, Get fucking rid of it. Read the minimalist rant I, I did. It's posted under the pin post if you haven't got to it. So, other ways to save money. Learn to cook. Learning to cook is amazing for many reasons. It's healthier if you cook your own food. You'll get in shape. You'll stay in shape. It makes you look like a boss to women if you know how to cook. Uh, no woman really expects a guy to know how to cook, but if you can, that's like major bonus points. Um, the best date ever, second date, sorry, the best second date ever is cooking dinner for a girl at your house. And if you can't cook, you're going to look like an idiot. And that's not going to lead to sex. Whereas if you can cook and you know your way around the kitchen, that date is going to lead to sex a lot of the time. And most importantly, for the purpose of this call, it's way cheaper. It's so much cheaper buying groceries and cooking your own food. It's, it's like not even close. So, for example, I tracked my budget, um, or I, I tracked my expenses and created a budget uh, for like six months straight on an app called Mint. Uh, if you guys don't have that app, I'd highly download. I highly recommend downloading it. Mint, M-I-N-T. It allows you to input all your bank details, all your credit cards, all your assets, investments, and track your net worth, uh, see everything you spend money on. It creates automatic budgets for you. And I noticed that I would, if on a month where I cooked versus a month where I just was too lazy to go to the grocery store and, you know, spent most of my time eating at, like, fast casual places or just grabbing stuff here and there from Starbucks or, you know, Panera Bread, I spent double the amount of money on food than I did when I went to the grocery store, bought food, and cooked. The other great thing about cooking is you're learning a skill. 
Um, if you suck at cooking, if you can't follow a recipe, good luck trying to run a business or good luck doing just about anything. It's like retard 101 skills. But guess what? It can be hard. Um, there's a lot of things going on with just following a simple recipe. You got to pay attention. You got to set timers so you don't burn the food. You got to be, you know, present about what you're doing. So learn to cook. It's great. Um, next thing, always ask for discounts. No matter what, asking for discounts is like the, an amazing hack. And um, I, you know, I started doing this pretty much forever ago when I turned Jewish. So when I came out of the womb, I started asking for discounts. Um, and I've saved so much money by simply asking to pay less. Um, a great line to use when you ask for a discount. For example, I was uh, picking up our Hamptons rental car, which is a which we, you know, referred to as the rape van over the summer, and it was supposed to be sixteen hundred dollars for that van, but it was uh, a little bit dirty, and the guy who was renting it to me was like nice guy, he was joking around. So I was like, hey man, did you actually hear? It's a national give a discount to charming guys days named Robbie. <laughs> Or it's National Give a Discount to Charming Guys Named Robbie Day. And uh, he cracked up. He was gay, so that helped, too. I was kind of flirting with him a little bit. Um, but I ended up getting a $400 discount on that rental car. He's like, you know what? Because it's dirty and stuff. Let me give you, like, 20% off. Um, and then he gave me another 5% off just for, like, you know, for, for like, a friend's code. So I'm like, 20% off, dude, come on, you can do a little more. Don't forget, it's give a discount day. So I was like, all right, five more. So I saved 25%, that's 400 bucks on this, on this rental van. Um, you can do it with rental cars, you can do it when you're at stores. If you're at the front of the line at a grocery store, you can be like, hey, do you have any coupons I could use? You know, yeah, you're going to be that guy. Like, don't do it if there's a million people behind and everyone's, like, waiting for you to go. But if that's not the case... Do it. Or, you know, even if there are a million people waiting behind, whatever, they can wait. Ask for discounts. You will save shitloads of money. I, there's so many testimonials in the group. About once every, you know, six months, I'll post a reminder saying, guys, ask for discounts on shit. And someone will come. I saved 75 bucks. What's that? I said I saved 75 bucks in that car rental because of your post. So thank you. Yeah. If you don't ask, you won't get it. After discounts, um, Gary, who's, I don't think he's on the call. This motherfucker is the king of discounts. I know Arthur's on the call, so Arthur, you know Gary. He gets discounts on everything. The guy gets more free shit than anyone I've ever met because he just asks, all right? And the more charming you are, the more likable you are, the better your social skills, you'll see a direct correlation between that and the discounts you get. Uh, next thing. Yeah? This is Arthur. I have a question. Yeah. Okay, when, when asking for discounts, is it is there like a certain way? Because I've tried this before to where uh, I have like uh, family members, cousins, friends. They all ask for discounts, and they get it no problem. But when I do it, for some reason, it, it comes off as awkward, and I don't get it as much as everyone else around me. That's why you have to make a joke out of it. It's kind of like when you're asking for a girl's number, can I get your number or, not, or give me your number? If not, give me a fake one, right? Um, so, you know, it eases the tension 
when you inject some humor. So that's why I said, you know, anytime you want a discount, like let's say you're at, I don't know, you're, you're at an ice cream shop. You can say like, hey, I don't know if you heard it or not, but it's give a free ice cream cone to Arthur Day. That's today, October 16th, and my name's Arthur, so I think I'm entitled to this cone. What do you say? <laughs> and they'll probably say no. And you can be like, all right, well, we've, what about a discount? Come on. Sorry, i got to be that guy. Make it a joke. Make it fun for them. People working in retail, cashiers, fucking hate life, right? Because everyone's a dick to them. Everyone's just like, give me, you know, they're in a hurry. Let me pay for my shit. And let me get out of here. So if you just joke with them and treat them like a, a human being, they'll be super inclined to give you a discount. So I have a feeling you're just not being funny about it. Gotcha. Good question. That's very important. When asking for discounts, make sure you give them a good reason and joke with them, all right? Um, the next thing, so becoming a minimalist will also make your life a lot more susceptible to travel. Everyone likes to travel, see the world, do cool shit, or drum up business. There's a million and one reasons why you should travel, um, not the least of which being that the more traveled and worldly you are, the better you're going to do with foreign women and the better you're going to do with locals as well. Um, I can't tell you how many girls I've been able to hook up with from Europe because I've spent so much time there. If I meet a girl from Poland, I'll be like, oh, no way. Are you from Warsaw? Are you from Krakow? Are you from Wrocław? And they're like, how do you know how to pronounce, or it's, it's Warszawa. How do you know how to pronounce the cities in Poland? No one knows how to pronounce the cities. I'm like, oh, I've been there a few times. And then we talked about Poland, and pretty soon they're naked. Um, traveling is a humongous value add, makes you look really attractive to women, and it's fun. Um, if you guys want to travel around the world almost for free, then go to a website called thepointsguy.com, thepointsguy.com, and you can find the best travel credit card, you know, free miles deals that they have out there. Um, one of the mods and my current roommate, Justin Hurtling, turned me on to this site. And since he did, I've racked up over 200,000 miles by just spending the money I always spend. So rather than like paying for shit on a stupid debit card that just comes right out of my bank, I signed up for 75,000 free miles with an Advantage uh, MasterCard uh, a couple months ago. And I knew, you know, all you had to do was spend 3000 bucks in, like, the first two months, and you got those miles. Um, you know, just putting the money down on the house in the Hamptons alone was close to 20000 bucks. So I was quickly at that mark. Um, so I've, I've, you know, probably spent 20000 and I have almost 100,000 miles um, for free that I can use to travel to Europe, round-trip business class, uh, you can do a couple back-and-forth domestic flights with miles like that if you buy at the right time. So, you know, if you're spending any sort of reasonable money, and even if it isn't, even if you're only spending a couple thousand bucks a month and you're on a really tight budget, those miles will add up. You know, at the end of the year, you might have 30,000 free miles, which will get you a free flight, you know, to Vegas or a free flight to New York. Um, you can also use those points of those miles to get cash back whatever. Um, so you should be spend any time you buy shit, um, 
know, well, maybe I have to make a disclaimer in case you guys use this information and then end up racking up a million dollars in credit card debt and then you sue me. So <laughs> I'm, I'm making the disclaimer that I'm not a financial services consultant and I'm not a professional that can give you financial advice. But <laughs> what I do is I spend all, every time I buy something, I put it on one of these types of credit cards. I pay the credit card off at the end of every month. The worst thing you can do is rack up credit card debt and interest and you'll get fucking hammered over the head and you'll be in crazy debt for a long time. So don't rack up credit card debt, but you know, get a credit card that gives you a lot of great rewards, miles, points, pay it off every month. It really doesn't make sense to buy shit in cash unless you're trying to get tax breaks or you know, do something like that when it comes to tax issues. But yeah. That's where it is, the points guy. Um, another real easy one, which is, you know, it's smaller, but it can make a big difference. It's refer your friends to the different social sharing apps out there. And I'm going to get into these shared economies and these different apps. But, for example, anytime I meet someone who's new to town, new to L.A., I'll be like, oh, you know, have you used Uber or Lyft? And they're like, no, what's that? I've just been taking a taxi everywhere. I'll be like, oh, well, let me give you a free $30 ride on Uber. And guess what? I get a free $30 ride too, and I also give it to them on Lyft. So that person that I just talked to that doesn't have Uber or Lyft, I just made 60 bucks off that person, and they just made 60 bucks off me. It's a win-win. So I do this with everyone I can without looking like that guy. Um, I've got a great setup because I'm constantly checking people in at different properties through our that we run on Airbnb, and most of these people are tourists. They haven't used Uber or Lyft before. So when I check them in, I'll be like, hey, you guys are going to need a taxi. You don't have a car. Download Use my code. I'm going to text you right now. Use that code and sign up for Uber and Lyft. And I just made 60 bucks. Uh, you can do that with Airbnb. You can do that with a lot of apps. Any app, Relay Rides, any app that allows you to refer people will usually pay you for, for making that referral. Um, so... You know, get on that. Also, if you guys refer people to the Become a Social Genius group, I give you guys 100 bucks a month off your membership. So, you know, easy way to make free money there. Uh, let's say you referred 10 people. I'd owe you 1000 bucks a month in IC cash, which you can use for whatever you want. You can use for coaching, Hamptons trips, Europe trips, for the group, you name it, whatever. Um, so you can make a lot of money by helping other people make money. Referrals are huge. Um, they're win-win situations for almost everyone. So those are just some of the easy ways to save money, hack money, make a little bit of money. So now let's talk about kind of real ways to make significant money. Um, if you're unemployed, if you want to make money on the side, if you want some passive income, um, these are going to be the types of strategies for you. So. Uh, the term shared economies um, basically means, well, another way to say it, is, which I like better, which is a little bit easier to understand. There's mm -hmm. an article in the Wall Street Journal, I think, called Resurrecting Dead Capital, how Uber and Airbnb mm -hmm. and, and shared economy apps are turning old dead resources into money-generating opportunities. So, for example, let's say you have an extra car. You don't drive it. It just sits around. You don't really want to sell it. You could be making money by renting that car out. Let's say you live in a two-bedroom apartment. 
and your second bedroom is just some office that you never really use, you could be renting out that room on Airbnb. So that room is, that's capital and it's dead, so you're resurrecting it. You're bringing it to life and helping you make, and helping you make money off it. Um, a bunch of guys in this group have taken our advice and are making good money off some of these shared economy apps. So I'm going to go through and talk about a few of them. But the reason why these work is based on the concept of friction. Well, there's a few reasons why they work, but friction is super important, and it really relates to the group. So everyone knows what friction is. It's when two things rub against each other and creates heat, and it makes things harder to move. Um, sometimes you want that. In business, you don't. The reason why Airbnb is worth, I don't know, somewhere in the crazy billions of dollars is because it removes the hotel or it removes the middleman from people finding lodging, right? I want to stay somewhere in a city. I want a house, but, you know, I don't want to go through a hotel. I want cheaper rates. Well, I can get it straight from the owner who's got their place listed on Airbnb. So friction is, so in, in that situation, like the friction has been removed because I don't have to go through a travel agent. I can just directly message the owner and get the place, and I don't have to pay that middleman fee. So look at different areas of your life where you are creating extra friction. A great place to look is how you behave in the group. For example, when I post an audio, you guys, maybe you guys heard the audio I posted the other day about Justin and his terrible attempt to hit on that girl, I know that there's no real easy way to post an audio file in the group. You can, you know, and I'm not a computer geek, so I'm certainly no expert at coming up with creative ways, but I know that you either have to, like, put it in a Google Drive or you basically can't post MP3s in the group, right? Facebook does not allow that function. You can post pictures and videos and text and other files like Word documents, but it's not easy to post audio. So what did I do? I went on iMovie. I figured, well, if I can add audio to a movie, I can certainly just make a movie that's pretty much just audio. So I, if I put in a blank screen, a piece of, like a, whatever, a, a blank page with, with, you know, this, this, well, I forgot what I fucking wrote on it. But regardless, I put the audio behind it, and I made it into a movie, and I posted the movie so you guys wouldn't have to download something or click some link and get taken to another page, even something small like that, that creates friction. If you can watch the movie straight off the group, more of you guys will watch it. So you guys need to be thinking about that when you post, when, you're, when you make referrals to people. We talk about this a lot in the group. Don't be an asshole and make other people have to do work. If you want me to listen to an audio, turn it into a movie. Don't be an asshole and make me have to do more work, right? And... Uh, if you guys did post audios before I mentioned this whole use iMovie and change it, don't worry, I'm not mad at you. But going forward, that should be noted. So anything you can do to make someone's life easier will result in them liking you more, business opportunities, and cash. Um, easier you can make someone's life, the more cash will come in. Next up, um, let's talk about some of these social sharing apps. And first things first, if you're living in Bumfuckville, Tennessee, or some small-town bullshit place, most of these strategies aren't going to work for you. Opportunities occur 
where people are. <laughs> so for the guys living in places like L.A., New York, Miami, Chicago, Dallas, you know, big metropolitan cities, these strategies will work almost 100%. I mean, either they're going to work really well or they're not going to work at all if you live in Bumblefuck, Texas. So if you do live in Bumblefuck, Texas, you better have a really good reason for living there. It's just as easy to be broke in L.A. or New York than it is to be broke in Santa Cruz. Right? You're either broke in Santa Cruz or you're broke in L.A., except in L.A. there's opportunities. In New York there's opportunities. There's people. There's social sharing apps. There's shared economies. So let's talk about the, the first, the biggest one that most of the mods in this group and many of you guys have used, that's Airbnb. If you're on this call and you're like, what's Airbnb, go kill yourself, because we've probably mentioned it in 8,000 posts. We have an entire side business created around it. Um, Airbnb allows you to rent out your house. Uh, it also allows you to essentially become a landlord without owning anything. The way that we got involved with this, um, Jesse and I were traveling through Europe. He had heard of this mm-hmm. site called Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Instead of staying at hotels, he uh, was looking around, and we stayed in people's apartments, and we used Airbnb once in Budapest, for example. Um, and then when we came back to New York, Jesse was living in the Union Square place we used to have. At the time, I was living with a, a girlfriend who's now my ex. Um, and Jesse started airbnb out his Union Square apartment, paying 12000 a month in rent and was bringing in consistently twenty to 25000 in Airbnb revenue. So he realized, wow, there's probably a business model here. Um, I ended up moving into that place and... We, you know, we were testing out that, that market. We were testing to see if it was a viable money-making opportunity. And then when we came out to L.A., we got our first, like, real official Airbnb place, which is our five-bedroom place in West Hollywood that a lot of you guys who come out for any sort of workshops or boot camps have probably stayed at. Um, it's right off Santa Monica Boulevard on Willoughby. It's a five-bedroom place. We paid 5800 a month for it, and that place consistently makes about eleven to 12000 a month and rental revenue. So we lived there for one month with a live-in with Cameron and Ken. Uh, During that month, we bought the furniture, we set it up, we listed on Airbnb, we got pictures taken, and then we moved out and turned it into a full-time vacation rental. We then moved to a place in Santa Monica, lived there for a month, furnished it, listed it, got the pictures taken, put it up on Airbnb, and then we moved to Hollywood for a month did it in Hollywood, went back to Santa Monica, did it in Santa Monica, did it in another place in Hollywood. And we basically just started amassing properties in this manner. We'd live there for a month, get the place ready, turn it into a full-time Airbnb. Um, Now, if you own a place, obviously, you know, and the local laws allow you to do this, then you have no problem. You know, if, if you own a condo in West L.A., no one can tell you whether or not you're allowed to sublet. However, if you rent a place, well, now you've got to deal with potential landlord situations. Does your landlord allow you to rent? Is he going to ca- or to sublet? Is he going to catch you and evict you if you sublet? So there are some, you know, things to consider there. Uh, subletting or breaking a lease is not illegal. You're never going to go to jail for it, but it could cause financial consequences. So I'm not telling anyone to just start subletting their place. Make sure it's viable. Um, either make sure your landlord probably won't find out or get permission from your landlord. Um, just to give you guys an idea, 
almost every single place that we did not have permission from our landlord that we started Airbnb, eventually they found out. Um, the great thing about Airbnb is you can make back your investment typically in about three months, four months tops. Um, let's say you, you, know, you get a place in L.A., it costs you 5000 bucks in rent for the first month, 5000 for a security deposit, and it'll cost you about 7500 to furnish. Uh, 10000 if you make it really nice. So let's say, just for shits and giggles, your initial upfront investment is 20000 and then you have to pay 5000 per month going forward. Well, it'll take you probably, for, the, you know, for a place with 5000 a month, you'll probably just make 10000 a month in revenue. So each month you'll make 5000 So it'll take you three months or four months to make twenty k back, and then you'll be even. I can't think of very many investment opportunities where you can see you can be all profit by month four or five. Um, Airbnb is a very unique situation. I don't think it will be this profitable forever. And as we say in the complete man workshop, fuck, what do we say? <laughs> I forgot the quote. Um, something about when times are good, hit it hard or that was retarded. I shouldn't have gone with that quote. But <laughs> uh, basically, when uh, you know when times are good, take advantage, right? Don't let an opportunity sit there. It won't be around forever. So my guess is that in three or four years, the returns that are being, you know, that are people are getting on Airbnb will be drastically lower as supply goes up because more people will see the opportunity. Um, you know, I can't predict the future, but that is my guess. So to give you guys an example, other guys in the group that have done this, um, Sherbon, Jason, Amish, uh, Jason got a place in Soho, a three-bedroom place. Um, I'm pretty sure it's, it's profitable for him now after the initial investment and in startup. Jason, are you on the call? Yeah, so I'm... Um, tell a quick story about your place. And to give you guys an idea, um, after Jesse and I and Josh and the other guys involved in this venture, um, you know, started amassing properties, we also started handling the management for people. Because it's not just as simple as listing your place on Airbnb and getting cash. You also have to check people in and out. You have to do cleanings. You have to know how to price the place. You've got to know, you know, different rates and when prices should be low and high, the seasons. Um, there's a decent amount of work that goes into managing. So one thing that we offer, if someone wants to do this, we'll manage the place and take 25%. Um, that way it's fully hands-off for you. Uh, Sherbon's done this. Jason's done it. Um, and there's a lot of mistakes that people are going to make you know, from the get-go, which can be really costly. Uh, poor Sherbon came to Europe. He came on the Euro trip last summer, and he got a booking reservation for his place in Santa Monica, which was going to pay for a substantial portion of his trip. Um, but he forgot, the, or he didn't realize that he needed to set the cancellation policy a certain way. And because he had no experience doing it before, the people canceled the day before. He was already in Europe, and he didn't get to keep any of that money. Had he set the cancellation policy to strict, they wouldn't have been allowed to cancel, or they could have, but he would have gotten the money anyways. So I can't tell you how many times, as an Airbnb user, 
I've booked places because they've got a flexible cancellation policy because I know I can cancel for free a day before the reservation. <laughs> so there's a lot of little mistakes that are going to be costly. So allowing people with expertise to help you manage it um, is not a bad deal. But uh, Jason, is there anything you want to say about your experience? Um, you know, getting this place, making that investment, managing it, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can kind of echo basically all the same things that you said. Um, when I first got my place, I wasn't actually necessarily planning on airbnb it. I just wanted to move to the city, and I was living with my brother. And then he eventually moved back home, and uh, we couldn't really find a third roommate that we liked. So I was like, fuck it, let's just airbnb it for a while. And uh, I didn't know, like, you know, how exactly to uh, get it ready for the pictures. Um, I didn't realize how important those were. I didn't realize how important, like, a lot of descriptions were. Um, but I did uh, – eventually, I just, like, hired you guys, uh, rental ninjas, to just handle it. And it's been pretty hands-off for me since then. There's been, like, a few times where I've had to go over the place to fix something or, or handle, like, the landlords or something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the 25% seems pretty high, but if you think about it, you were saying, like, four months – in New York, it's a little bit different because you usually have to pay a broker fee. Um, so you're probably looking at like five months. And then with rental ninjas, say take about 25%, you're looking at 10 months recouping, which is still probably the fastest I've ever heard of something recouping. So it's, it's still pretty good. So I've been pretty happy with it. And yeah. now I'm pulling in about about uh, three to 25 to three grand a month. So um, recently. Three grand a month doing nothing, right? Yeah, essentially nothing. Yeah. Not bad. <laughs> so I told a lot of you guys when you joined the group, trust me, we'll have some strategies that will pay for this membership many times over. So if Jason's paying three fifty a month and he's making three thousand a month off an idea he got from here, well, not a bad deal. Um, and oh, keeping what's that? I was going to add also that like I've been talking to Patrick and James and some of my friends, and now we're thinking about pulling money to go into more properties. So it's, it's definitely like a snowball effect too. So, so it's, it's definitely paid for a lot of the membership <laughs> by itself. So, you know, example, a bunch of you guys, you know, even if everyone were to pony up like 500 bucks, if 10 of you guys pony up 500 bucks or 20 of you guys pony up 500 bucks, you've got 5,000 or 10,000 and you guys could all go in on a place together. Um, you obviously won't make as much every month, but, It'll be profitable, and it's uh, you know, if anyone's read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, his number one strategy. I remember reading that book when I was like 20. Number one strategy is invest in rental and, and cash flowing, income generating properties. So he says the difference between an asset and a liability is a liability takes money out of your pocket every month. Most people think your home that you have a mortgage on is an asset. Well, guess what? It's not. It's a liability because you're paying money out of pocket every month. Sure, you're getting something for that. You're getting to live there, but that is a liability, okay? A rental property that you don't live in that cash flows positively every month, that's an asset. And if you own it every month, your, your equity stake, you know, is going up and up and up. And um, at the end of that time, you know, let's say you buy a place. I think that's what Sherbon's doing. He's looking to buy a place in Santa Monica, or he already bought it. Um, he could Airbnb it full-time, which would pay for his mortgage and put cash in his pocket. And renters are 
basically paying that mortgage and giving him free equity in his home. So after his 30-year mortgage is up, or if he decides to sell it before then, he'll have made money and gotten a free house for a small down payment. Um, so if you have some capital to play with, this is a great strategy. If you don't, um, you could always use the information to pool capital together of friends that you have that have money. Um, you know, anytime you find a good idea and you can bring money to the table, there's usually a marriage there. So that's Airbnb. Um, Jason asked a question, I'll, I'll address that now in the group. He said, how do you guys manage properties from a different city? I'm thinking of the next place to get in LA or something, but not sure you guys handle the weird things that you need to be in person for, like talking with landlords and such. So for example, I've got 10 leases in Miami, right? Um, and like my name is on those leases. I don't do any of the management. Obviously, our, our company that I'm in a, you know, an equity shareholder in, CHSS, the company you know, Jesse and I started, and Dan and Josh is CEO of, it manages those properties. But we've got Maddie, who's a guy in the group. You guys know Maddie. We gave Maddie a job. He came down to intern for us, helped us set up a bunch of these places in Miami. And then he got a full-time job. Now he runs all those places in Miami. So he lives for free, bounces around between all those different properties when they're not, you know, when there's always at least one open um, where he stays. We also have a model house down there, so he gets to party with the model. And uh, he manages those places. He cleans them. He checks people in and out, deals with maintenance issues. So, you know, kind of going off on a tangent here, but a lot of guys, TJ... Robert, um, Maddie started, you know, interning for us, and uh, they were offered full-time positions. Robert just moved up to San Francisco to help out the hotel we have. So if anyone wants internship opportunities, don't hesitate to ask. Um, and if you want to have places in a different city, you need someone on the ground to manage them. But, I mean, that's the easy answer to the question, pretty much all you need to do. Um, so next up is Relay Rides. Relay Rides is identical to Airbnb. Instead of renting out houses, you're renting out cars. Um, what's cool about Relay Rides is you never have to deal with landlords. Um, you can buy a used car or a new car and pay them. Obviously, a, a, you can lease it. You can buy it. Whatever your you know monthly, whatever your uh, what do you call that? You know whatever you're paying monthly for it. Um, you can make the difference in arbitrage situations like Airbnb between what you pay every month and what you make in, in rental revenues. So, for example, I have a 2006 Infiniti G35, um, you know, had the car since graduating college. It's now got 93,000 miles on it, and it's also pretty much a full-time rental. Uh, whenever someone inquires about it, I've got a listing up on Relay Rides. Uh, they want to rent out the car. They show up. They pay through the site. The site takes care of all insurance. Um, if they damage the car, you know, the, the site will pay for it. Their insurance company will pay for it. It's all legit. I own the car. So, you know, I'm basically allowing people to put miles on it in exchange for that rental revenue. Um, that's an example of if you own a car. Let's say you want to just buy a car or lease a car in order to, you know, make money off relay rides as a 
you know, investment opportunity. So what I did was I went to Toyota of Hollywood. I leased a Prius for 320 bucks a month, and I consistently bring in about 600 in rental revenue from the Prius. I found that Toyota Highlanders, um, people are really need cars that carry a lot of people when they're traveling. So I rented a couple, or I leased a couple Highlanders at, you know, 405 bucks a month and 530 bucks a month. And those suckers consistently bring in closer to 900 to 1,000 a month in income. Um, the maintenance on those is pretty minimal. If you have a lease, then, you know, usually the dealership takes care of all oil changes, mechanical failures, anything that goes wrong. You could also buy a used car. You could buy a used Prius for probably about 10,000 bucks for, I don't know, 2010, 2011. Um, go to a local credit union. Maybe you only have to pay 100 bucks or 150 bucks a month for that car, and you can rent that sucker out for 30 bucks a day, 900 bucks a month if it rents out every day. Got a nice little business there. So that's Relay Ride. Um, there's another site called Flight Car. Flight Car is a service that allows you to park your car at the airport for free in exchange. They will rent it out for you and give you a small cut. It's pretty minimal. It's like $0.10 cents a mile or $0.20 cents a mile if you have a nice car. But it's better than paying $30 a day for parking at LAX or JFK. Instead, you're, you know, if you're gone for a week, you'll make about 40 bucks instead of paying 30 times 7, 210 So that's a $250 swing you just made by leaving your car a flight car. If you want to get really fancy pants and tricky, it's a little... Uh, you know, nifty move I pulled, I realized, well, when I'm traveling, I'd like to be able to rent my car on relay rides, but if I'm not going to be there to do, like, you know, to get it clean and do the check-in and check-out, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for me to pay someone else to do it because it just really cuts into my profit. I was like, wait a second, I could just drop off the car at the airport, I'll save money on a cab or an Uber by being able to take my car, leave it at flight car, and what Flight Card does, they just want to know when you're going to be back. And you can tell them, hey, I got a one-way ticket. Um, I'm not sure when I'm coming back. Uh, you know, you can rent out my car for the next three days. Then I sat there and I waited for inquiries to come in on relay rides. And guess what? One came in for, like, the third day I was gone. I called Flight Card. I'm like, hey, um, you know, my plans changed. I'm coming back early. I need to have my car available, you know, in a couple of days from now. And they wash your car for free as well. They said, sure, no problem. I said, actually, my friend's going to be picking it up by the name of Mr. McSchmegerson. Mr. McSchmegerson was not actually my friend, just a random dude who's renting my car through Relay Rides. That person wanted to pick up a car from the airport, so it was even more convenient for him. Relay Rides picked him up from the term, or flight car picked him up from the terminal, drove him to the lot, handed him my washed car, and I made. I got free parking, free free wash, free check-in, <laughs> and also made the profit on relay rides. So I use flight car in conjunction with relay rides, and I'm pretty proud of myself for that nifty move. Um, so anytime you know you're dropping your car off at an airport, if you don't live in bumfuck Egypt, like I mentioned, relay rides is probably servicing that airport. Don't ever pay for airport parking if you don't have to. Rent your shit out. If you're not using it, rent it out. Um, and like I said, with relay rides, like if you lease a car or whatever, you don't have to worry about a landlord or, you know, you're allowed to do whatever you want with that car. 
as long as it's insured and registered and all that good stuff. So let's talk about the next one, which is dog safety. Go ahead. Yeah, one question about relay rides. Um, so you said you have a couple Highlanders and the, the Prius. So where are you parking all these cars? Well, it works out really well for me because I've got all the different properties around L.A. with plenty of parking. Um, okay. So the other thing that's great is I've got built-in demand as well because mm-hmm. travelers who are renting my houses also need cars most of the time. So I get a lot of demand on relay rides, um, but if I needed more, I could always just you know ask the people that are coming, hey, do you need a rental car? I can pick you up from the airport. You can have the car. Uh, we do the whole transaction through relay rides anyways just to protect myself. You know, it would be a really dumb idea to, like, rent a car to someone that you don't know and have them go out and crash it, and then they fuck off. Your insurance might not cover the damage. You'd be out the uh, the deductible, and God forbid they killed somebody. You could be liable in a lawsuit. So make sure if you're going to rent the same thing for your house. Like, if you're going to rent out your house, Sites like Airbnb and Relay Rides are really, really awesome because they provide insurance and protection in case of a black swan type of, an, of an event. Okay. So something like that, you know, could set, could, that could ruin your life, right? But if you do it legit through a site like this that offers protection, you're good to go. All right, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Um, moving along, uh, the next site is called Dog Vacay. Let's say you work from home and you like dogs um, and you have some extra time or you have a dog, you could turn your house into a dog vacation place and people who are traveling can drop off their pooch and you get paid to watch it. (laughs) I know a a guy who works from home in San Diego. Um, He has a dog. He never really leaves his place. So he put up a profile on dog vacay. And now he makes about a thousand bucks a month just watching people's dogs. And yeah, he's gonna pick up some shit and deal with some crazy mutts. But he's home anyways. He's got to deal with his dog. And now he's just getting paid to watch his own dog, and his dogs have playmates, and you know, kind of a win-win. A little bit of work involved with that one, but you know, it's a it's a great resource for someone in that unique situation. Um, so that's dog vacay. Let's talk about Uber and Lyft. So this is good for someone who doesn't have a job currently or is in between jobs, and they don't really have a lot of prospects. Their options are to, you know, work in retail or make minimum wage or just, you know, do something that's kind of lame. I would highly recommend, instead of doing that, become a driver for Uber or Lyft. You can pick your own hours. Um, They'll even help you buy a car uh, by becoming a driver. You can get cheap rates on leases. Another thing I do with my cars is I'm always looking for drivers to essentially, you know, like I've got these extra cars that I use on relay rides. If the driver came to me and they said, hey, I need a car, I'll drive it, we'll do a profit share or split the revenue, I'd be open to that as well. So anyone living in L.A. that needs some extra cash and they want to and they have a, a good driving record, you want to drive one of my cars for money, feel free. We can set up that deal. Um but if you have your own car, it's a way better deal for you. Most people have a car somewhere like L.A. And whenever you have some free time or, you know, you just turn on the app and you turn your car into a taxi. Great way to make cash during the peak times. You'll get surge pricing type of rates. So you can bring home, you know, a couple hundred bucks a night 
on a Friday or Saturday night working from like 8 p.m. till 3 or 4 in the morning, which isn't a bad hourly rate. Um, and the other cool thing is that when you do that, you never know who you're going to meet. Um, I always talk to the Uber drivers and Lyft drivers I ride with, and I've exchanged phone numbers with quite a few of them for different business things. Um, anyone who uses those types of apps are usually pretty, like, savvy in the know people, and uh, you never know what's going to come of it. You know, more exposure to people that are cool. So driving for Uber or Lyft is a great one. Um, tutoring, another way to make extra cash on the side, um, you know, Pretty much anyone can tutor, like, high school math or, you know, I don't know, other topics in high school, uh, physics or chemistry, if you have a background in that. Tutoring is a great way to make extra money on the side. Um, helps your people skills, helps your ability to sell. So the, the better your expertise, the more you can charge. Uh, tutoring is another one. So that's, that's tutoring. Um, TaskRabbit. So TaskRabbit is basically a site where you can post a profile and anyone who needs odd random tasks done, you can uh, do those tasks for them. So if you have a very specific skill, you can charge more. Like if you're a great carpenter and someone moves into a house and they need some carpentry work done, they can go on TaskRabbit and look for people that are skilled in carpentry and you can get jobs that way. Uh, a guy by the name of Andre living in New York was looking for, you know, jobs on TaskRabbit, and he came across Jesse. Jesse needed someone to do cleanings and check-ins at the Union Square place we had, and Andre signed up for the gig. Andre ended up becoming the, essentially, manager of, like, nine of our places in New York. So that one little gig that he did a couple of days a week checking in people – turned into a pretty big operation. He had people working under him. Uh, he was making enough managing all those places where he didn't have to clean anymore. So you never know what will happen from a site like TaskRabbit. Um, it doesn't hurt to have a profile up there. If you have some skills, you've got a truck, you can haul shit around. If you're good at, you know, certain things, um, deliveries, whatever, not a bad idea to have a profile up there great way to make money on the side. Um, and the last one that I'll talk about, which is real simple, if you're trying to, you know, improve your minimalist lifestyle, sell shit you don't need on eBay. Um, if you get really good at selling shit on eBay, then you can probably make money selling shit for your friends. Enroll your friends in becoming minimalist and then sell their shit. Now, these strategies shouldn't really be used for people who have a job. Um, like, for example, for me, you know, it only makes sense to engage in these activities if the return is high enough. The, the, the uh, idea of opportunity cost is really important to understand. So just because I can make a little bit of money renting another car on relay rides doesn't mean it's a good idea because every, you know, every hour I put into that is an hour that I have to take away from IC or Airbnb. And you only have so many jellies, so many rooms for, you know, jelly beans in, in your jelly bean jar. So, you know, if you already have a job and you're making good money, make sure that the income generating things you're doing will create passive income versus something you're going to have to work for and invest your time in. All right? So, those are 
all of the different ways. There's probably more that I forgot. Um, any questions on any of that so far? Any thoughts? Any ahas? Do you think if I, uh, like, like you can rent out my car for me? Your car's down here in L.A.? Yeah. And it's just sitting there? Uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Talk to me after the call. We'll start making money off that bitch. Okay, cool. What else? So, how do you identify a property, uh, you know, at what point you'd make money? Because, like, for example, in Scottsdale, um, probably one bedroom is, let's say, for a nice one, 800 to 1000 a month. And then how much could you rent out for? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, good question. Is that, um, is that just, sorry, sorry. Is that just what? Nothing. Go ahead and answer. I interrupted. Oh, okay. No, no, that's okay. Yeah. Um, Thanks. So, what you have to do, and Scottsdale is actually an amazing market for Airbnb. Um, the best markets are places with cheap rent and really high hotel prices. Scottsdale is that. You can get a place for dirt cheap. You can buy a place, rent a place for like pennies. But the hotels in Scottsdale are really fucking expensive because Scottsdale is kind of like this. I don't know, like this this jewel of Arizona, you know, the super nice part just outside of Phoenix. And, like, a room at the W in Scottsdale is, like, 300 bucks a night. So, typically, you compare the quality of your place to a hotel. So, let's say you had a super baller-ass apartment very close to downtown Scottsdale, and it's a one-bedroom. You would compare that to the W, right, if it was, a, if it was W quality, and instead of making 300 bucks a night, which they would get, you would get 150 bucks a night. So let's say your place is a step down is more like a Holiday Inn or a Ramada or something like that. The Ramada is still probably charging 200 bucks a night, 225 a night. So you'll get 100 bucks a night or 112.50 a night. So consider that for each room that you have, it's 50% of what a hotel would make. All right. And if you've got a two-bedroom place, then you compare that to two bedrooms at a hotel. So if it's super nice, two bedrooms at the W, 600 bucks a night, you would charge 300 a night. Wow, that's awesome. And um, so, like, how is, will experience only tell you how often your room gets rented out, or are there statistics on in your area rooms are rented out at this often at this price or whatever? So anyone can set up a profile on Airbnb, even if you don't have a place. <laughs> I could, what I actually did recently, I wanted to test the market in Budapest. So I put up a listing of a place in Budapest, found some pictures on Google Images, um, you know, pinned where, what neighborhood it was in. You don't have to put the exact address, or you can't even just make one up. You know, you can say it's 157 Street. Put up some pictures, put up some rates, and you can see what sort of demand you'll get. People, if, if you're priced right, your pictures are good, and everything's set up correctly, you'll start getting inquiries from travelers, and you know they'll say, "Hey, I want to book your place. 
uh, here's my $1,000 payment. And then you can just say, oh, sorry, the place isn't ready, decline the booking, but you know you would have gotten that. So it's free to test. So everyone, if they're considering doing this, you should test, put up a place. We always put up our listings even before we have the place, just so we can get bookings in there immediately. So if I know I'm, I'm about to rent out a place in you know, Santa Monica, I'm going to put up a fake listing and you know, make the picture slightly worse than what the place will look like, start taking bookings, and then as soon as I get the place, turn, turn it on, right? And message the people, hey, sorry, we did some redecorating, um, but the good news is, the bad news is it doesn't look like the pictures. The good news is it looks way better. You'll be even happier than you were. So you can test the place for free that way and start, you know, you'll know exactly whether or not it's profitable. Do the same thing on relay rides with your car. So, Robert, first thing I want you to do, well, actually, I'm going to put your profile on mine. Because um, the other thing that's important about, like, for example, let's say Patrick wanted to go in on a place with Jason in New York and put it on Airbnb, they should use Jason's profile because Jason already has, you know, 50 positive reviews. And the reviews are very important on these sharing sites, you know, these shared economy apps, because that's the only way to trust whether or not the place is legit. There's a lot of scammers out there, so reviews are super important. Other questions? So if I want to, if I want to start making some money with Uber and I want to like, I don't currently have a car, but I want to get into a nice car. Like what, where would I go for that? Go to partners.uber.com. Partners.uber.com. And it'll have everything Thank you. in there. Yeah. Cool. Thank you very much. Cool. What else you guys got? Other questions? Okay. Uh, quick question about, I mean, you did something kind of clicked for me and you did mention tutoring is a good way to make money. And that's actually a skill I, I really have. Uh, is, would TaskRabbit be a good place to, to post up my, I guess, like a profile, like a way for me to get in contact with uh, people I know? Uh, what do you think about that? Or like people that tutor, like clients? Yeah, definitely post, post a, uh, you know, a, a profile on TaskRabbit. Um, TaskRabbit, you know, I think there's, you have to post like a video, um, you know, for all of these different sites like Uber, you know, they have to approve you. They have to check you. To, they, do, they do a background check. Um, they make sure you're not a felon and all that good stuff. Um, and I think you have to mm -hmm. post a video for TaskRabbit. But 100%, like if you guys have extra time on your hands and you want to make extra cash doing random jobs or whatever, um, that's a great way to go. Okay. And then I guess a formula for um, working the Airbnb thing is just first step, uh, guess what a location would be that would be good. Second step, uh, make a fake listing to see if it's profitable. Third step would be if it is profitable, start looking for a place. And then fourth step, um, start renting the place out or, or in, in, in any case, um, make a deposit on it or, or a down payment on it and then start uh, and then go from there. I guess that that would be the, I guess the uh, formula. 
you identify, you, you put up a list, you know, identify a market, put up a listing, see what sort of, um, you know, see what sort of love you get. Um, if you get love, then you, you find a place, um, try to find a place where the landlords allow you to do it. If you don't, you're taking a gamble. Um, furnish it and, you know, then you got a, a, a profitable place. Okay, so that would be something you would talk about with a landlord beforehand. If you don't want to gamble, if you want to make sure you talk to them beforehand and say, hey, I, I mean, would be okay deal, right? If you can find an insane deal, like let's say I found a three-bedroom place in Santa Monica for $4,000 a month. That was nice. Yeah. And his attitude was like, no way you can Airbnb this place. And the way to approach that subject, like, you know, if <laughs> – what you could do is you could have someone else call or, you know, you know, have your sister call and be like, hey, I'm interested in your place, but I'd like to, I travel a lot. And when I'm traveling, you know, I'd pay for the places just sit empty where, I, where when I pay rent, uh, it'd be great if I could sublet it out, you know, a few times here and there every month. Would that be okay? And if he's like, you mean like Airbnb? Oh. Definitely not. Definitely not. No way. Then you would say, Right then, you know that that landlord is not going to be very friendly towards it. But then you can still maybe go ahead with it because uh, odds are he's not going to catch you for a few months. And um, like Genevieve and I got a place up in San Francisco. We ran it for three months. They caught us. We had to vacate the place, but we made a shitload of money in that three months. So it was still worth it. Okay. That was a place she already had with her mom. So. Hey, Rob, Robbie, can I ask a quick question? Yeah. Um, without trying too much, like you say, a shitload, can you, can you kind of quantify a shitload of money on a place in San Francisco? Um, so Genevieve's place was under rent control, um, it's a, it was a two-bedroom place, and we were paying, like, 1800 a month for it. And we were renting it out for, like, 7000 a month on Airbnb. So we made that nice little <laughs> $5,200 spread in those three months. And it only cost us about 1500 bucks to set it up because she had already been living there for, like, seven years. So a really, really awesome time to do this is if you've been living at a place for a long time, you want to get an, a, a different place, so you just keep your lease going and uh, find a new place and Airbnb that sucker. Wow. Thanks. Yeah. Well, there's a few things I didn't get to on this call, which we'll have to save for another time. Um, I wanted to talk about starting a business, um, niche marketing, some of that stuff. Um, we'll talk about that next time, but I, I don't have time to go into it now. But um, other questions on these shared economies, ways to save money, ways to make money. Like, I, I can't imagine there's anyone listening to this call that can at least uh, – everyone can use the discounts thing, <laughs> right? Um, so – this should have a positive impact on every single person, and it could be a huge positive impact depending on your situation and what you want to do about it. So other questions? Yeah, I have a question. This is Jordan. So 
when I checked out Airbnb just to kind of scope out the site, I couldn't believe how many postings there were. Like in Santa Monica alone, there were, I don't know, a thousand. How can you compete? There's a lot of demand too, you know, there's a lot of places, but there's a lot of demand. There's a lot of hotels in Santa Monica, but they're still charging two fifty, three hundred a night because the demand is there. So you compete by, <laughs> you know, if, there's, if the demand's there, then you don't have to worry about that. The demand goes down, you're going to have to lower prices, and eventually as the supply increases, you know, the price will decrease as well. So that's, uh, you know, that's bad news. That's why Airbnb may be, you know, insanely profitable for the next year or two. Could be six months, it could be ten years, but I think eventually the huge returns that are available now will be, you know, something of the past. So get while the getting is good. That's the uh, the quote that I forgot. Get while the getting is good. Do your property rent pretty well in the winter time too, or only summer is it better? So winter time. Um, so. In L.A., the worst month is September because everyone is, uh, you know, back to school. Not many people are traveling. Um, September is like a break-even month or a slight winter, and every other month is a sizable winter. The summers crush. A place like Miami, which is more seasonal, right, Um, you make retarded money in, in the winter, in the good months, like, for a one-bedroom place, you can get, like, $200 a night when you're paying, like, you know, 1800 a month in rent. Like, it's stupid. But then in, like, June, July, August, September, when it's hot and humid as balls, you're losing money. But overall, for the year, you know, it's a big winner. New York, pretty much, you know, maybe January and February a little slow, but even those months, you're still making money if you have reviews. So, wow, the demand is there for sure. So there's not, like, a concern of getting a place and having it rent only two nights a month? Not if your pricing is right and it's in a good location. Okay. If I find some considerations, can I post them on the group and see what you guys think? Sure. Cool. Hey, uh... Robbie, uh, Rui is asked, wants to ask, are the points accumulated on the points guy valid indefinitely? Sorry, what's that? Uh, Rui, I guess he's having trouble with his phone, but he said, are the points accumulated on the points guy valid indefinitely? Um, you have to check with each different credit card. Um, you, you just have to check to see if the points expire or not. Most points do not, and make sure... You know, if you get a card with points, you you pick one that does not expire. Good question. Oh, I see there's people asking questions here. Um, Cool. All right, anything else, guys? Going once, okay. going twice. Uh, 
Yeah. Do do any of your relay rides cars not do well, or do they all profit every month? Well, I intentionally got a Prius and Highlanders because um, I knew they would do well. I can't speak for like you know a 2009 uh, Honda Civic or a whatever a Mazda Miata, but same as Airbnb, just put up a test profile and see what sort of hits you get. If it's price right, I'd imagine anything would do well. But, you know, there could be a situation where your car is just such a piece of shit that just, you know, cool, you'll make $100 a month, but you'll spend hours and hours dealing with the, you know, the check-ins and check-outs and cleaning, so it wouldn't, it wouldn't be good. Okay. Do you take care of all of the management yourself, getting people the keys and the, getting people um, the car keys? Um, when I can, if it's convenient. If not, um, I have cleaners that do it and check-in people. Uh, for example, Adam D'Angelo, who's a member of this group, he used to live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. What a fun place to live, right? And I convinced him that there's no opportunity there. He was being an idiot. So he moved to L.A. full time. And now he's basically like he does cleanings for me. He helps me manage my cars. Um, he's kind of like my right-hand man for the bullshit I don't want to do. And he was he's also working as a photographer out here, which he was doing there. So it's a, a better lifestyle for him. Gotcha. All right, guys, well, i got to run. If you have more questions, please post them in the group, and, you know, we can do more, uh, you know, about similar. We can talk about this stuff next week on the call or talk about it in the group. So um, hope you guys got a lot of good info, and I will talk to you all soon.